You know, we've been in this series, kind of a mini-series called the Pure Heart Habits. We've been talking about how God focused on this, our, our heart, our inner being. We were working our way through the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to pick that up next week. We're going to be talking about blessed are the peacemakers next Sunday with my friend and, and fellow partner. We planted this church. David Dukeson is going to be here. Can't, can't wait for that. But in the middle of that, we came to this verse which, which really kind of captured something because the Sermon on the Mount was so pivotal. It's so important that we read the words of Jesus and embrace them. Because what he was doing was this, he, his mission wasn't to improve what was going on. Can I tell you, when Jesus comes into your life, it's not an add-on. It's not a little improvement. It's not a little project. No, he, he came to turn everything upside down to transform and change us from the inside out. And in the same way, his mission and the mission he gave us as disciples was embody this new life, this entirely different way of doing life. A life where we live under the reign of God. He's our king. He's our Lord. He, we center our life on him. He is the sole source of our peace. The sole source of our security. Come on, somebody. The sole source of your worth should be found in God. Because if not, then you're living less than God created you to be. You see, we live free from this self-protective fear that the world likes to bank on. And we manifest a life in the love of Christ. This Calvary-like love where we lay down our lives so that others may know the goodness of our God. That's the, that's the promise he came, and that's the story and the message of this Sermon on the Mount. Because when we embrace that, what happens is that, that, sermon, that, that, that mustard-sized faith that he gave us, that mustard-seed-sized faith begins to grow in us and through us and begins to transform even those around us, and the kingdom of God expands. And he says he does that through people who trust him. And one of the outflows of that is he says, we come into this purity of hearts. Blessed are the pure in heart, Matthew 5, verse 8, for they will help me out. What does it say? They will see God. I mean, who doesn't want to be closer to God, right? Who doesn't want to be in his presence? But blessed are the pure in heart. And when he spoke that, he wasn't giving us this, this bar that says, hey, get there. Do your best and be pure. No, that's not what he was saying. He was saying, when you enter this life, when you enter this kingdom, he begins to lead us in paths, lead us in ways that lead to this purity where our hearts are wholly his. It was so critical that the writer of Proverbs said this about our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 said, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything, everything we embrace, everything we see, everything we encounter flows out of this heart. So we've been spending these weeks kind of talking about the cures of some of the common heart diseases of the spirit. We talked how, how generosity is the answer to greed. And how many know it's fun hanging out with generous people? Can you say amen? It, it's fun. And we, we talked about how celebration is the, is the antidote to jealousy and forgiveness is the antidote for anger and confession is the, the answer to guilt. Today, I want to just layer one part more on that. Because like, if you ever walk through the physicalness of life in a, in a medical situation, the doctor kind of gets you lined out, now we're going to get you healthy, there's always that add-on, right? Where it says, now, let me tell you about some things that are going to help you to stay healthy. Let me tell you about some things that are going to maintain what now is cured inside of you. So I want to speak this morning about, about these heart habits that literally will maintain that purity of heart. Because we live in a time... Where, where people's hearts are all over the place. We live in a time where, where we're living in disruption all the time. Nothing stays the same. We live in a time of deception. 
You don't know what to believe anymore. We live in a time of division and devastation. And yet in the middle of that, the word of God says our lives ought to be shining like stars in the sky. It ought to stand out so much those who put their faith in Christ. But sadly, so many of us have given into in the heart conditions of the world and we're not maintaining we're just being pressed along. There's a, there's a verse in Jeremiah, I kind of spurred this message today. It was in one of my devotions, Jeremiah 12, 5. It'll be on the screen. It says, if you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with the horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in thickets by the Jordan? What he was saying was this. He goes, look, if, if you were already struggling in, in the circumstances that, that really we thought maybe were a little tough, you say, how are you going to handle when things really get tough? How are you going to handle when things really get upside down? How is your heart doing these days? You're probably tired of me asking that. How's your heart? Is your heart fearful? I know a lot of people walking in fear right now. And that fear is real. Thank you for your prayers last week. My, my wife tested negative Tuesday, praise God, and she's in recovery. We're kind of under self-quarantine at home. We're living on different sides of the house. That's weird. Hi, Denise. She's watching this morning. But, but fear, it's real because we're human. But is your heart fearful? Is your heart overwhelmed? Do you just want to take a break from the world right now? Come on. I could sell that ticket in a heartbeat, right? Is your heart angry? Is your heart anxious? Or is your heart apathetic? You just don't care anymore. We don't get to do that. We don't get to do that. Because there's a world out there that needs to know about Jesus. So this passage out of Jeremiah is saying, if life is wearing you out now, how are you going to make it when things get tough? I've had many people ask me, and I think it's, it's normal, but uh, Pastor, are we, in the, are we in the end times? That's a really easy answer, yes. We have been since the day Jesus uh, arose uh, from the grave. But I would give you the same answer that the early church would have given you when Nero was burning Christians at the stake. Could be. Yeah, we could be. But here's the bigger question. It's not when is Jesus coming back, it's how are you living? Whose life are you changing? May it be said of us when he returns that he finds us seeking first his kingdom, his righteousness, showing the world what it means to put our faith in a king of kings and lord of lords and not our faith in the only things that man has to offer, which are weak and minor compared to him. See, one of the most comforting passages I think you can read about the end times, you really want to do that, is found in 1 Thessalonians. That's why I want you to look there. In 1 Thessalonians, it's hard to say, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, you can read, I think, one of the most encouraging passages is about the return of Christ. Take you a few minutes. You can do it this afternoon. But at the end of chapter 5, Paul kind of does something that almost seems like it's out of place. He's given this glorious picture of the return of Christ, and all of a sudden he lays out this checklist. And this checklist of what I believe are habits that sustain us no matter what's going on. Habits that prepare us for the return of Christ, but also habits of the heart that will sustain us both now and in the future. So I want to just walk through those this morning as we wrap up this little mini-series. Because there are things that we need to be about. There's things we need to add into our lives if we're not already doing this. In fact, I believe this this morning. Some of you, as I lay this out, you're going to be like, yeah, okay, I'm doing that. Yeah, I'm doing that. But others, you're going to find yourself going, you know, I'm not doing that. Maybe I ought to be. And I'm going to tell you, no, maybe about it. You need to. And the first is this. If we're going to be people that, that run strong in times that are difficult, then we've got to learn to run with covering. We need to learn to run with covering. 
It's interesting to me that God did not design us to do this life alone, did he? No, he, he put us in families. He put us in a spiritual family, providing coverings of protection over our lives. He put spiritual authority in our lives. How many know that people are having trouble with authority right now? Yes. He put spiritual authority in our lives, not for oppression, but for our good. Look at this in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12. Paul says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. I, I believe God put four areas of authority in all of our lives. We, we see civil authority around us. We recognize that, mayors, commissions, all the way up. We, we believe there's spiritual authority, pastors, group leaders, counselors. There, there's family authority. He gave us parents. None of us came out of a, we weren't hatched, praise God. We have parents, and, and God gave us that. So I said to honor your mother and father. And then we have that fourth, which is probably vocational or educational, depending on the part of life you're in. And the interesting thing is all those authorities are supposed to be about the Lord's work. Now, what happens are, is this. Many of them are not seemingly about the Lord's work, so we dismiss all of them. And yet God called us to live under authority. He called us to honor authority, to pray for authority, to respect, encourage, engage. Because when we do that, guess what he promises? Blessing. He says he'll bless us. See what God will do when you learn to align yourself under the authorities that God has given you. Because again, too many folks are trying to buy solo right now. We're, we're just, me and my house, we're going to make it. Well, you know what? There's more than your house. Can I tell you that right now? There's people around you that, that God wants you to impact. But, but when we get out of authority, we're, we're out here just roaming on our own. That's not good. Paul said, acknowledge it. He said, honor it. They are going to admonish you. Hold them in high regard. Pray for those in authority over you. I put it this way, and it's, it's a phrase that you see everywhere, but it's so true. The world just ripped it off from the Bible, and that is this. We are really better together. It's not, it's not a slogan. It's not a, just a little thing to throw out there. It's truth. We were not meant to walk alone. Come on, look, look to your left and your right. You need those people around you right now. You need authority in your life. I need authority in my life. We all do. And it gives us a covering so we may run with the horses. The second thing is this. We need to learn to run with ministry during this season. We need to learn to run with ministry during this season. You know, you can approach this season one of two ways. You can either focus on how it affects you or you can focus on how it affects others. And when you focus on how it affects others, what happens is this. God calls you into the midst of their struggle. God calls you in the place of that. We have a choice to protect ourselves or to help others out. But can I tell you, you protect yourself most when you take action to help those who are in need. Look at this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. He says, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Mm. Can, I, can I just tell you right now, I, the mute button is a wonderful thing on social media right now. Yes, you're being disruptive. You're not honoring Christ. Stop. Stop. Warn those that are idle, just hanging out, not lifting a finger to help anybody. Warn them. Encourage the disheartened. There's a lot of people disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Run with ministry. I could have called this point run with purpose because God created you with meaning. He created with you purpose and he puts you in ministry no matter where you are to hold out the truth of Jesus Christ. 
we got to recognize that. we got to understand that we best reflect the love of Christ when we take up his purpose daily. Like, well, what do I do? Well, Micah said very clearly, we need to learn to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God. Because when we do that, man, we bring glory to our God. We bring glory to our God. Can I tell you something? In a season like we're in, we don't just need something to live on. We need something to live for. Because when you have something to live for, you wake up in the morning and recognize, I was made for this. I can make a difference in this. And I know that through my God, all things are possible. You see, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Guys, listen, it was not by accident that God chose to have you living in 2020. It was not by accident he called you into leadership in 2020. You are made for this moment when your eyes are on God, your heart is pure before him, and you're depending on his spirit to lead you into ministry. Can I tell you, you will benefit when you begin to minister to others. I, I put it this way. The antidote of needing ministry is doing ministry. When you most feel like you need help, can I tell you, that's when you press in to help somebody else. I see it all the time. People's lives light up when they begin to serve. That's why, that's why we tell you, hope is not a place to come and sit and soak. You, you got you to get up and take what you know and bless somebody with that. That's the kingdom of God. And that's what strengthens us to run in the times like today. The third thing is this. We need to learn to run with grace. How many believe the world needs more grace right now? 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says it this way. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Can I tell you, nowhere in the Bible does it tell you to play tit for tat in the world today. Well, if you do this, I'm going to do that. If you say this, I'm going to say that. No, that's not what the Word of God says. He says you don't pay back. That's kingdom of the world thinking. If you haven't noticed People are a little on edge right now. Have you noticed that? People are a little prickly right now. And far be it from the believers of Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, the people of the kingdom of God to add to the prickliness instead of bringing grace to every circumstance. I mean, look at this verse. It has a two-pronged command. It says, first of all, we've got to walk in mercy. How many know that mercy and grace are a little bit different? See, mercy is not getting what you deserve. God had mercy on your soul and my soul. Aren't you thankful for that? See, that verse says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Again, not getting what they deserve. Nowhere do we have an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. Jesus said, that's done. That's done. We turn the world upside down. But he also says we need to bring grace into every circumstance, and that is giving to others what they don't deserve. It's the add-on. It's what you and I experience upon salvation. We didn't get what we deserve. We weren't, we weren't blown away because of our sins we also got what we didn't deserve. We got grace, forgiveness, fellowship, reconciliation to God. He said, always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. That's why Jesus said so clearly, bless those that persecute you. Bless those that persecute you. We're going to look at that a little bit more in the next two weeks, but can I tell you, if you don't ever receive any persecution, I'm kind of questioning whether you're you're really letting your light shine or not. Because if we're so cozy to the world, the world can't tell any difference. If our thinking is only worldly, the world gets no benefit of us being here. You know, the greatest picture of God's love for us is not how your life is going. The greatest picture of God's love for us is Calvary. 
where he gave his life on the cross for those who didn't want anything to do with him. They persecuted him, but he loved them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. So I, I sum that up in this phrase here. Don't give people what they deserve. Give people what they need. Look around you. What do people need right now? I think they need encouragement. I think they need to love. I think they need a little, a little push to say, hey, keep going, keep running, because God is there with you. So we've got to run with this way of running with grace. The fourth thing is this, and I know I've got seven things this morning, so we're going to like plow through them, but you're going to get there, all right? The, the fourth thing is run with joy in this season. Now, if you want to memorize a scripture verse today, maybe you've never memorized a verse in your life, and I'm going to help you out because it's really good and easy to do this. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always. Come on. We can do that, right? But you're like, Mike, how do we do that? There's not a lot to rejoice about right now. It's kind of difficult to rejoice always when everything's not full of joy. But he says, rejoice. That means you've, you've been joyful at some point. Do it again. Because walking with joy is a choice. We say it all the time in here. Choices lead, feelings follow. Joy is not a feeling. I'll be joyful if I feel like it. No, joy is a choice. It's what Nehemiah told the people he was leading back into this new life with God in Nehemiah 8 when he said, this, is, this day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your... Come on, what does it say? strength so if the joy of the lord's my strength i ought to be pouring into joy i need to be like waking up in the morning and say lord i choose joy today god i know circumstances aren't what i want them to be but i choose joy i know that uh, god i don't know where this is all leading but i choose joy no matter what because the joy of the lord is my strength i mean after all what other option do you have be grumpy all the time be unhappy all the time, be angry all the time, be prickly all the time. Nobody wants to be around you. Rejoice, Paul says in Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. He adds a little emphasis. I'll say it again. Rejoice. I love this definition. This definition was given by a woman who lost her son as an adult son, a, a terrible circumstance, but she wrote a book about joy, and this was her definition. She said, joy is the determined choice to praise God in all things. You see, a pure heart finds joy in God no matter what. A pure heart says, God, I trust you no matter what. And I will choose, God, to trust you and be joyful no matter what. So we've got to run with joy. Fifthly, we have to run with prayer. Run with prayer. This is one of those almost like Christianity 101, you know, what's the answer? Pray. Yes. But yet, statistics tell us we really don't do that much. He says we are to pray continually. Another verse you can memorize, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray continually. Or some of the older folks in different versions would say this, pray without, yeah, that's the one I know. Pray without ceasing, but pray continually. Let me ask you this, why pray? Why pray? If God already knows everything, why pray? Right? He's omniscient. Why pray? You know, I think a lot of people misunderstand prayer. They think that somehow prayer is getting God to move toward them. But prayer is actually getting us to move toward God. It's our hearts pursuing Him. 
God's already there. He's promised he'll never leave us nor forsake us. But when we pray, what we're doing is we're choosing to anchor our life and all of life into him. We are casting our cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. We are allowing God to connect to every aspect of our lives because he loves us and wants us to know him. Can I, can I tell you, most people pray only when they're in trouble. But if you only pray when, you're, when you are in trouble, you really are in trouble. Because you haven't learned to listen and to trust. So prayer brings us into that place. So we, he says, pray continually. How do you do that? You know, I don't, I don't know where you find your moment. Uh, I think you begin your day talking to God, right? Before you go to your, no, your news feed, let's talk to God. You've got to start the day with some good news. Set aside time. But it doesn't stop there. I, I'm afraid so many have that discipline. Well, God, I gave you my 30 minutes. Now the rest of the day is on my own. Pray continually. Before you go into the meeting, pray. Before you talk to your kid, pray. Before you go out to work out, pray. Before you eat, pray. Pray continually. Why? Because throughout the day, God is right there breathing in, breathing out through you. He wants you to know he's in your life, and you connect him best when you're speaking to God. And some say, well, Mike, how do you talk to God? Listen, you don't have to be, there's no such thing as professional prayers. If you know how to talk, you can pray. And you all know how to talk. Pray. God, today is not going well. I need you. God, today, I'm having trouble seeing you. I need you. God, today, life is awesome, God. Can I work? Can I? God, help me. It's just a continuous prayer to God. I put it this way, just to kind of give you a phrase to bank on. Prayer is the difference between the best I can do and the best God can do. Come on. It's bringing God into it. I, I can't tell you how many times I, that comes out of my mouth in prayer. God, do what only you can do. God, do what only you can do. I know what I can do, God. It's not a whole lot. God, do what only you can do. That's my prayer every time we gather. God, do what you can do today. Because, Lord, if it's about us, if it's about Jenny leading songs, me preaching, a few other things, so what? So what? No life's going to be changed. But when God moves... Can I tell you, when God moves, church, you felt that we were singing. That wasn't just an emotion. When God moves, literally your faith rises up and all things are possible. Why? Because God is in control, not us. So we've got to learn to pray if we're going to run in this season of difficulty. The sixth thing is this. We've got to learn to run with gratitude. Boy, that's missing these days. Run with gratitude. Verse 18 says this. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Go ahead and ask me someday, Mike, how do you discover God's will? Number one, give thanks in all circumstances. Start there. Rejoice in that. Give thanks in all circumstances, for it is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We say again, how do I do that? How am I supposed to do that? It's a choice. It's a choice. Remember, habits of the heart. We want God to do everything through the Shazam moment. God, make me gracious. No, you got to choose to be gracious. God, make me joyful. You got to choose to be joyful. God, make me pray. <laughs> Come on. You got to choose to pray. I, I love when I get around people who walk in gratitude. Because, you know, when they do, they, they understand the principles of God's word when they say this what I have is more than enough. What I have is more than enough. I, I love when you're serving people. I, I know it's a southern thing. I know it's so simple. We kind of greet each other. Hey, how you doing? 
And these days, that's kind of dangerous to ask because people just might tell you, right? But, but I was serving the other day, and I was serving a family, and I was talking to them. I said, hey, and before I could catch them, I was like, hey, how's it going? How you doing? And then I caught myself thinking I shouldn't have said that. And you know what their answer was? They said, Pastor, we're better than most. Come on. Better than most. Man, that's a way to live. God, I am blessed. I am yours. God, I am free. You provide all my need according to your riches in Christ Jesus. God, how can I not trust you? Paul understood that in Philippians 4.12. He said, I, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every, every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 19 I can do all things through him who gives me strength, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Have you been there? Maybe you're living in a place right now where you're in need. Man, that's when you discover gratitude. Maybe you're living in a position right now where you've got all and more. Gratitude. Because God is generous to us. And when we're gracious in gratitude... Guess what? He allows us to be generous to others. Let me put it in this phrase. You can remember this. What I have is more than enough. Some of you need to say that today. You need to write that down today. You need to like put it in your feeds to other people. God, what I have is more than enough. I am content, God, in you. And I trust you. And finally, and I think equally important in this checklist that Paul gave us is this. Number seven, we need to run with discernment. And can I tell you, discernment is not the same as suspicion. Come on, people. Run with discernment. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Can we just stop for a moment and say, Thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit. People are freaked out and weirded out about the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God. Why? He's the only part of the Godhead that is with us right now. God with us. God in us. The Holy Spirit. And because he's with us and in us, can I tell you something? He, he works in us. Can I tell you this morning, someone needs to hear this, the God in you is not afraid. Because his spirit is the opposite of the spirit of fear. And maybe you're looking around at all the circumstances around you in the world, and can I tell you, you can be terrified of its craziness, or you can let the spirit that's within you lead you into peace, because he's in charge. And because he's in charge, he's in, at rest. He has no fear, no worry, no doubt. He has no doubt about the outcome of anything. So I thank God for the Holy Spirit. We surrender to God. He is mightier than any foe or any failure we ever face. The God inside of you is not afraid. Here's something else you need to know. The God inside of you is not confused. He's not confused. He was there in the beginning. The Holy Spirit, the Word says he, he moved over the face of the waters. Therefore, He is the answer to all of our problems. There's things we don't know what to do. Our natural mind is limited. We hit the brick wall in these times that are hard. But can I tell you, if we learn to listen to the inner voice of our spirit, the Holy Spirit, He will lead us in paths of righteousness. He will give us the answer. He will show us the way, even in the complex problems we face in this day. There's another thing you need to know about the God within you. He's not angry. He's not angry. How many know that people will frustrate you? They'll get on your last nerve. 
especially in election season. Can I get an amen? We live in a time of constant outrage. We look for things to be outraged about. And we wonder why we're struggling. Let me give you a little health checkup this morning. When you live in constant outrage, you live in constant anxiety, you're releasing into your system something called cortisol that just messes you up. It's why you don't sleep well, it's why you gain weight, and it's why you're not happy. God designed our bodies to know what's going on. But when we put our trust in God, He walks with us. He restrains our anger. He pours out His love in us. He gives us patience and long-suffering when we're walking among people. So we need to ask Him to walk with us and to help us to keep our eyes on Him and not on everything that's around us. Why? Because the God in us is not angry and neither is He lonely. I think this is one of the curse of our generation right now. You don't have to be alone to be lonely. You know that. But I'm going to tell you that God in you is never lonely, and you should neither be, because why? He's promised to never leave you nor forsake you. He's right here in you. So when you pray, he's there. When you worship, he's there. He's working in your life. So talk to him. Enjoy fellowship with him. He's your companion that never leaves you alone. So he says, quench not the spirits. God's bigger than all this. So he'll help us to discern the season we're in and lead us through it. Why? Listen. Because although he is with us, he's also above all the circumstances. He's above it all. He sees the beginning from the end. We can trust him. Let me help you out with discernment real quick. I'm going to wrap this up. Discernment is not found in your newsfeed. Discernment is not found in the echo chamber of your social media where all your friends agree with everything you say and believe. Discernment is only found by walking in step with the Spirit, reading God's Word, listening to His voice, praying and seeking Him. And when you don't know what to say, you just don't say anything because you're waiting on the Lord. And if we want to run with strong hearts, we've got to learn to run with discernment. Because when we do this, when we walk in these habits, when we walk in this constant posture of joy, of gratitude, of, of prayer, of covering, of, of walking, trusting God in all things, can I tell you what happens is this, God sets you apart then and allows you then to truly minister to others. And that flow goes from you and that blessing comes into you. Check it out, verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, set you apart. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is what? No, no. The one who calls you is what? People, come on. He's faithful. And he will do it. Don't you love that? You see, you can't run with the horses when you're sitting around anxious all the time. You can't run the with the horses when you're sitting around fearful. You're just worried, oh, I don't know what's going to come next. You can't run with the horses when you're sitting around chasing conspiracy theories. Some of you that have listened to me know more about Q, which is ridiculous, than you know about J, which is Jesus. Come on. You can't run with the horse when you're sitting around feeling alone. You think you only have yourself to depend on. Be part of the family God called you to. Come under the covering. Let the Lord bless you. 
I know this morning some of you are looking and saying, Mike, this is so elementary. I'm glad it's elementary because God's not complicated when it comes to what he calls us to do. Oh, he's mysterious, but he's made some things very clear. And this morning you may go through and say, I needed that, I don't need that, I need that. Whatever it is, can I tell you, if you could do one thing this week, do what God's showing you. Maybe it's just to wake up and choose to be joyful tomorrow. Maybe it's to say, God, I need a little more discernment in life. Maybe it's to break away from all the things you're consuming and consume God's word. Spend time in prayer. I don't know. But I know this, the one who calls you is faithful. He'll do it. Father, we love you. God, I'm so thankful for your word. God, simple phrases, God, that, Lord, we could just blow by and not even consider. But, God, are so powerful. Rejoice always. <laughs> Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Lord, today help us. God, I, I pray, Lord, for those today that, Lord, honestly, through this whole series, God, they're, they're examining their hearts, and, Lord, they're, they're recognizing areas of weakness, God, of, of even sickness, Lord. And we've been trying to lay out, God, that path of healing and hope that, Lord, is found in you and you alone. That we find at the foot of Calvary, God, because the only way we find that strength and that renewal is when we give our lives to you. And God, we're thankful for the sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus Christ, on the cross for all our sin. And God, we find forgiveness. And God, you begin to transform us inside out. So Lord, I ask you today, oh God, Lord, move in our hearts. God, as we prepare even now, Lord, to receive communion together, God, Lord, even your words, we've got to examine our hearts. There's that moment of soberness that just says, Lord, we're not coming to, to beat ourselves up and say how wrong we are. God, we're coming to say, Lord, we are weak, but you are strong. God, where we fail, you lift us up, God. Where we, where we don't know what to do, you lead us, God. And God, may our hearts be found today pure, set apart, wholly yours. If you're listening today online, watching later, or even now in this moment, how's your heart? How's your heart? Is it anxious? Is it angry? Is it apathetic? God can do something in your life today. But you've got to trust Him. Maybe you've served the Lord a long time and you've gotten in the mode of this old hat. I know it. I've done it all. How's your heart? How's your heart? Because God wants you. And He wants you to know Him in His power and His might.